You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Tony Meyer. For more information on other LifePoint Church resources, please visit www.livethemessage.org. Over the past weeks, we've been in a series entitled Ready in Christ. And it really represents a season that we've been in as a church where we believe that God has been preparing us for something great. That we have no interest in just coming here on Sundays and having a nice little service and going home. But that the Holy Spirit would show up and people would be set free. People would be healed. People would be, giving, uh, be given a word that they were, have been longing to hear from the Lord. And so we've been in a season as a church in preparation saying, God, just like the words we sang this morning, God, we're ready for whatever it is you want to do. Whatever you want to do in our hearts, whatever you want to do in our life, whatever you want to do through us, God, we're ready. We're ready for that. And so we've been in the book of Colossians, which is a book that is just so, so rich in truth. Honestly, we could just spend an entire year in the book of Colossians and still not exhaust it. And so um, over the coming weeks, we'll, we'll continue on. But this morning, we're in Colossians chapter 3. And this is one of the, uh, the chapters in, in God's word that just has been very pivotal to me in my walk with the Lord. Because Paul is speaking so much about identity in this chapter because Paul recognizes something that, that we recognize, which is that we were born into an identity crisis of sorts. In Romans chapter 5, it says that we, you and I, all of humanity was born into Adam, meaning that because Adam and Eve had sinned, we now are born into this fallen world, a sinful world. You and I, we have this sinful fallen nature about us, this propensity towards doing things that please ourselves that feel good to us at the time, things that, that are for the here and now. But there's also this other part of us that because we were made in the, in the image of God, like Joe was saying, that there's this other part of us that is calling out for more, that knows that we were made for something more than this. And so when we don't know the Lord, we, I mean, we struggle between these things, and maybe you don't even recognize it at times. But that's why Jesus told Nicodemus, he says, you must be born again. We were born into this fallen world with this fallen nature, so we need to be born again. And it's not a physical rebirth that we go back into our mother's womb, but there's a spiritual transformation that takes place. We are changed, transformed. We are given a new life. We're given a new identity. We start walking in this as a person that God has created us to be. But what I've seen happen, and maybe you've seen this happen in your own life, is that when we start walking with Jesus, we have our eyes fixed on him, and it's, it's almost like a honeymoon period after you give your life to the Lord, and you can't take your eyes off of him. But then what happens, like Jesus alludes to in Mark chapter four in the parable of the sower, then the, just the, the worries of life come. Maybe people wrong you. Maybe you go through difficult circumstances. Maybe some things are revealed in your own heart. And all of a sudden what happens is we take our eyes off Jesus and we put them back on ourselves. And all of a sudden we find ourselves not being defined by God our Father, our Creator, but we become defined by the things in our life. We become defined by people in our life, the circumstances that we face. And we end up hurt, frustrated, discouraged, offended. One thing I've, one truth I have learned, and um, I don't want you to get offended when I hear you say this, but hear me say this, but the biggest problem in your life 
is not people. It's not other people. The biggest problem in your life is not the difficulties that you face in the circumstances and situations. The biggest problem in my life is me. <laughs> the biggest problem in your life is you. And I don't mean that in some self-hatred, self-loathing type of way. But a lot of times we give the devil a lot of credit for things that he really had nothing to do with. And I don't know about you, but I can get myself into enough trouble on my own without any help from the enemy. And some of the greatest battles that we will face in this life will be these internal battles that no one else knows about. And this, this struggle between what we know is right and what we want to do. And it'll be some of the biggest fights that we face. However, it'll also be the greatest victories. That's why in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says that, Behold, those who are in Christ are a new creation. The old has passed and the new has come. We are a new creation. We are made new. We are born again. But we have this tendency to take our eyes off Jesus and back onto ourselves. And the selfishness arises. I think if we're being honest with ourselves, I won't make you raise your hands, but if we're being honest with ourselves, we think about ourselves more often than we don't. I mean, I remember when our, our daughter, Evie, was born. She's five now. But as a new parent, uh, there's nothing that can prepare you for it, really. You read every single book. I had people give me books, and I read them. Um, you have people giving you advice constantly, whether you've asked for it or not. And then the baby comes, and you're like, what, what is this? What happened? Nobody told me. And it's, oh man, it's, it's, like a, it's like a shock to the system. I remember Evie was born, and it's like, man, we don't know how to change diapers. We don't know how to do, know how to do any of these things. And all of a sudden, you're an expert within days, right? But, man, being up in the middle of the night, oof, it's not fun. I know Riley and Sheena just had a baby. The Klobnicks just had a baby. The, the McGoverns just had a baby. And so they're not sleeping a lot, probably. So just pray for them. <laughs> remember what it was like. But I remember I used to, man, you get up with Evie, and she could only... Um, she would only feed from a bottle, and so, man, she would get really gassy until we found Dr. Brown bottles, which saved our marriage and saved our life. Well, it was amazing. And she, but she would get really gassy, and so she'd be sleeping soundly, and all of a sudden, this blood-curdling scream would come from the other room, you know? And we'd go in there, and either Kayla or I would go in there, and, man, sometimes I'd go in there, and, you know, you're trying to, to help this little baby get this gas out, you know, and sometimes it works right away, and other times it doesn't work at all, and so, man, you're trying to help her, and then, but it's, nothing's working, and you find yourself being like, oh, man, you start counting the hours of sleep that you're not getting, you start thinking about how rough of a day it's going to be tomorrow, you start thinking about how amazing your bed is, how awesome it is, and then you start feeling frustrated because of the cause, <laughs> And I remember one night, I, I, I was feeling so frustrated internally. She wouldn't have known it, but internally I was feeling frustrated. I went back to bed after getting her to sleep, and I remember just feeling really discouraged, you know? There was at one point in my mind, I'm like, just, why, why, just burp or, or let one rip, do something, you know? Just get this gas out of here. Please, just do something. <laughs> but it, I'm laying there, and I'm just like feeling discouraged. I'm like, why was I so frustrated? And Holy Spirit spoke very gently, yet assertively. It's because you were thinking about you. <laughs> I thought, man, you know what I was? At first, I thought, man, I want to really want to help her. But then after things got difficult, 
She didn't go to sleep right away. All of a sudden, I started thinking about my comfy bed, how much sleep I wasn't getting, how hard of a day I was going to have. And it really wasn't about helping her at all. It was more about getting her back to sleep so that I could go to sleep. And I obviously believe we have to take care of ourselves. But, man, I believe that, that we think about ourselves more often than we'd really like to admit. And that's why Jesus, he said, in three out of the four Gospels, he says, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. He didn't say deny the devil. He didn't say deny people, deny your circumstances. He said deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. We die to ourselves and this new life, this new creation, the old has gone and the new has come. And so Paul addresses this identity crisis in Colossians 3. So if you've got your Bible, you can turn there. Otherwise, it'll be in the screen, on the screen behind us. <coughs> Colossians 3, verse 1. It says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above and not on the things that are of this earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ. And when, when Christ, who is in your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Let's stop there for a moment. Paul says, if then you have been raised with Christ. He starts out, uh, really, uh, he's coming out of chapter 2 where all these people, they lose sight of who God had created and would be. They're getting distracted by all these different things. And he's reminding them again of their identity in Jesus. He said, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand and set your mind on the things that are above. Take your eyes off of yourself. Take off all your eyes off of all of these things that are distracting us, pulling our attention and our focus. Take it off there and focus it on Jesus. Seated, Jesus is seated at the right hand. He paints this picture. He's reminding us of the, the complete utter authority of Jesus, that Jesus is not confused. Jesus is not confounded. Jesus is not scratching his head, but he sits in all authority at the right hand of the Father. And the Bible says that he intercedes for us. So we fix our attention on, on that, on, on heavenly things, because of this reason, that Jesus has never lost sight of who he's made you to be. Jesus has never lost sight of who he's made you to be. And if you don't hear anything else I say today, I want you to hear this, that on your worst day, on your worst day, at your lowest point, at your most shameful time of your life, he hasn't changed his mind about you. He hasn't changed his mind. And he's never lost sight about who he's made you to be. But it's us who forget. It's us who begin to doubt. And so we set our minds on the things that are above because the Bible says that Jesus is the truth. And it's the truth that makes us free. And some of us, as we walk with Jesus, and let's say we fall into an area of sin, maybe we screw up, we fall down. All of a sudden the enemy begins to speak identity over us. Starts to speak condemnation, whispers in our ear, I told you. You were always like this. You're always going to be like this. Nothing's changed. There's no true tra transformation in you. You're always going to be like this. This is who you are. That's condemnation. The Bible says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Jesus. No condemnation. Zero. No means nothing. Zero. 
Jesus said he didn't come into this world to condemn it, but to save it and to set it free. There's no condemnation, but what happens is we fall into an area of sin and all of a sudden the enemy starts whispering and he tries to get us to, to confuse conviction for condemnation. And conviction and condemnation are two very different things. Condemnation, like I said, it says this is who you are. You're sinful, you're a loser, you're a failure, you're a disappointment. Conviction from the Holy Spirit says you were born for more than this. This is not who you are anymore. That old life has passed. It's gone. You're a new creation. So let's go this way now. So we go in a different direction and we keep our eyes on Jesus. But a lot of us, we walk around with condemnation and God didn't design it for us desire us to live in that place. How many in this place have ever, um, after walking with Jesus for a time, you screwed up, you failed, and you, you maybe you sinned or you made a mistake, you did something, and then you beat yourself up about it for the next days, hours, weeks. You walked around in condemnation. Let me see your hands. Yeah, I, my hand is up. Wait up, yeah. Thank you, you can put your hands up. Don't ever do that again. Don't ever do that again. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. That doesn't mean that we don't feel this godly sorrow for sin that we've, we have, that, or for mistakes that we've made, for failures that we have. But that comes from a conviction of the Holy Spirit that says, I was born for more than this. If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Keep your mind on the heavenly things and not on the things of this world, because you have died you have died and now you are hidden within Christ. It means that we are perfectly protected. We are perfectly cared for in that place. The power of sin is broken over our lives. Amen. But that doesn't mean that we still don't contend with it. I was reminded this week, uh, before I knew, I gave my life to the Lord when I was 20 years old and I was a complete disaster of a human being before that. And I was in a lot of toxic relationships. And I'm sure in this room, I won't make you raise your hands, but many of us have been in toxic relationships. And one thing that was uh, about me was that my woman picker was like broken with a capital B. It was busted. And, and now it's one of my, the parts of my testimony because you've seen my wife and you're like, I don't know what that guy did <laughs> to get him at such an amazing wife, but I'll write a book about it someday and I'll be rich. So... But I remember I had this, this, this girl that I was with, and it was toxic. It was an explosive relationship. It was horrible. And I remember one day I just said, no, that's it. I'm done with this. And I moved out. I packed a bag, and I never came back. And it was like the power, her power over me was broken. <laughs> Praise the Lord. It was broken. But she still called me. Coming days, she still called me. The coming year, she still called me. And sometimes I would answer, and it was always bad when I would answer. So I stopped answering, and eventually I, I changed my number. Listen, the power of sin is broken over our lives as believers, but that doesn't mean he's still not going to call. We just don't pick up the phone. We change the number. We have a new address. We're part of the family of, of Jesus. So Paul goes on in Colossians Chapter three, verse five. He says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, 
sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetedness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming, in which to you once also walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. And do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all in all. Let's stop there. So he says in the verses prior that we have died. But now he's saying we put to death what is earthly in you. And he's talking about that, that battle that we have, that we're, the power of, of sin has been broken, but we still contend with, the, with our selfish nature at times. And he goes through this big list of things, sexual immorality, impurity, evil desires, covetedness. He goes through this list, and it's not an exhaustive list. But really what he's saying is that every sin mankind is capable of begins in the heart. Because then he goes deeper and he lists off all these other things. Anger, which is a person who's given over to anger. Wrath, which is, which is uh, outbursts of anger. Malice, which is like thinking evil thoughts about someone. When something happens to someone you don't like and you feel good about that. Wishing harm upon someone. Coveting comparing yourself to other people. He goes deeper to the heart of the matter that every single human being is capable of horrendous things. It doesn't mean that we're guilty of all these things, but within each one of us, we are capable of horrendous things. So then, so that's why he says, so put to death everything that is earthly in you. And in verse nine, he says, don't lie to each other, seeing that you put off the old self. You see, when we, we give our lives to Jesus, there's the light that comes. We are walking in darkness and the light comes. We couldn't see, and now we can see. But I want you to know for, from experience that when the light shines in your life, there's areas of your heart that you're like, ooh, I didn't know that was there. I mean, when I gave my heart to the Lord I, at 20 years old, I, I remember thinking, okay, well, I know I shouldn't. I probably shouldn't be snorting as much cocaine as possible up my nose anymore. I know that. I probably shouldn't drink myself into oblivion anymore. I, I, know, I know that I shouldn't do that. But there were some areas and attitudes of the heart that the, God's light began to shine on in my life. And I thought, ooh, I didn't know that. Because I was walking in the dark. And God puts his finger on these areas. Not because he's trying to be mean, but he's trying to renew us. Into the knowledge of the image in which we were created to be his image, to reflect Jesus. It's like my, my daughter, her best friends are um, Pastor Drew and Tanya's girls, uh, her cousins. And she would hang out with them every moment. I, she, if we let her, she would probably go live with them. She just loves them, wants to do. And when they, they come to our house or they go to our house or their house, they, they just come and they disappear. And uh, both of our houses, we have uh, basements where kids can just go play, and they can go do whatever they want to do, and the adults can talk, and it's awesome. And if we hear screaming, we go down there. If we hear silence, we go down there. <clears throat> well, we love it, you know? And at the end of the evening, uh, the kids will leave, or we'll leave their house, and you don't know what kind of state the basement is in. 
So a lot of times the kids will leave and we just kind of shut the light off and shut the door, say we'll worry about that another time. <laughs> and we come in the next morning and we, we open the door and we, we kind of brace ourselves for what we'll see and sometimes we flip on the light. Oh, it's not as bad as I thought it was gonna be. Other times we flip on the light and we said, what happened? There's a bomb, a bomb went off down here. Oh my goodness. And it's part of having kids, we love it, you know. But if we kept the lights off and we just were walking around in the dark, we'd be tripping over a lot of things. We wouldn't really be able to see how messy it really was. And things would trip us up, but we wouldn't be able to know what was really tripping us up. We just know that it hurts to step on a Lego or it hurts to, you know, trip and fall on something. It isn't until the lights turned on we can see the mess and that's when the mess can start to get cleaned up. There's areas of our life that we've been walking in the dark We've been walking in the dark. We can maybe see the outline of the mess, but the lights get turned on, and all of a sudden, we, if you're like me, it was a little jarring. I didn't know that was there. I didn't know the attitude of that, my, that criticalness was there. I didn't know all these other things were there. And Jesus says, I want to, you're a new creation. We're putting to death these things now. And every single day, Every single day we're being renewed as we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. We set our mind on the things that are above. We're being renewed day by day by day into the, new, into the image. And he uses this, this analogy kind of of putting off the old and putting on the new. And it's like a, it's like a robe in those days. You'd have this, this robe that would really represent your identity in many ways. And you'd, you'd throw off that old robe and you'd put on a new robe. And it kind of alludes to Luke 15 with the story of the lost son, where this son goes out and wastes his life and lives for himself, lives in sin, wastes his parents' money, becomes a, 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 a shameful representation of his family. And then he comes home, and the father sees his son, and he runs to his son. And he doesn't say, get this kid a bath. He's been with the pigs, but he says, go get the very best robe in the house, which was his robe. He says, go get that robe and put it on him, and put that ring on his finger that says, he's my son, he's my boy. This is his identity. This is who he is. And so we throw off all those things that are were the old you and you put on the new. And sometimes that's a daily thing. We put it on again. We have a short-term memory. We put it on again. We put it on again. We put that earthly things to death and we put on that new roof. That which is being renewed daily. Being renewed. Because then he goes on. Sorry, let's say one more thing here. So I think this is important to say. In verse 11, he talks about, here there is not a Greek or Jew uncircumcised, circumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free, but Christ is all in all. Sometimes we allow our, our background, where we come from, we allow that to disqualify us from certain things. We say, well, God, you couldn't use me because my family was like this. I came from a lower class of, of people, and my socioeconomic background was this way. So God... I can see how you would do that for this person, but not for me. And here it's saying, it's saying Christ is all in all. It doesn't matter. There is no victimhood in God's kingdom. God has something for all of us and wants to use us in mighty ways. And so really, our greatest excuses, excuses fall so short in light of Jesus. So continuing on in verse 12, he says, so put on then. As God's chosen one, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all, 
These put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Let's stop there. Paul begins to paint this picture of what life with Jesus looks like. And so he says, in the previous verses, put off, and now he says, this is what you put on. But he stops and he, he makes a little pit stop. He says, put on then, and then he stops. He said, God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, God chose you. You might not feel like it, but God chose you. And there are not some people in the world that God chose above the others. Say, I'm going to save these people, but I'm not going to save these people. God's word says that he desires that none should perish, but all would have eternal life. That every single one of us, God has chosen humanity as the focal point of all of his affection and attention and his love. He has chosen you. He has chosen you. And he calls you holy. That word holy is a big is a is a deep word because it really it means set apart it means blameless when you give your life to Jesus your sins are washed away the bible says that they they're as far as the east is from the west there's no record of your wrong he has incinerated the hard drive it's gone and a lot of times we like to remember but god hasn't remembered he's forgotten it you're a new creation the old has gone the new has come So we deal with sin in the context of relationship with him. If we're holy, we're set apart, Christ's righteousness has been imputed on our life. When God looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Jesus. So there's this positional holiness, this rightness with God in which we stand before him blameless. There's this other practical side of holiness in which we pursue maturity. There's still these things in our life that God is working out in us. So there's holiness is still being worked out. But he says that you are holy and beloved. That word beloved is a word that's reserved for very dear ones. We don't throw that word around. We don't say, that's my beloved neighbor Jim, right? But that's, that's, a, that's a word that's reserved for very, very precious ones to you. So he calls you his beloved, his dear one. You are right before him because of Jesus. Holy and beloved, bearing with what put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and forgiving each other. This is a gospel that is designed to transform and to change us. It puts integrity in me. It disciplines me. It changes my want to. Because we start to reflect the image of God. All these, 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 all these things are characteristics of God. He is compassionate. He is patient. He is meek. That word meek, it's a bad rap because it means, a lot of people think that it, because it rhymes with weak, it, that's what it means. But it actually means gentle and assertive. And if that doesn't describe the Holy Spirit, I don't know what does. He is gentle and yet assertive. He forgives us. This is a restoration back to the heart of God. See, see we really understand the things of God by experiencing them in, in the context of relationship with him. By knowing him. But it's also that we can become these things. You know, God is compassionate on me so that I can become a compassionate man. God is merciful with me so that I can become a merciful man. God is 
gives me this undeserving, unconditional love so that I can give unconditional, undeserving love. We experience and we understand through relationship with God, but also so that we can become love, so that we can become compassion, so that we can become kindness to people who do not deserve it. And this is our new identity. And listen, I, just, I don't want to wake up with me anymore. I want to wake up with Christ in me, the hope of glory, the hope of glory, who is this finished work that I'm walking out every day and I'm being renewed into his image every single day. And I don't start to look like the old Tony anymore. Hopefully over the last 15 years, God has done something in my heart that I don't ref- and now I reflect Jesus more today than I did before. And it ever increases every single day. We're gonna take a moment now and um, we're gonna celebrate baptism and then we're gonna come back and we're gonna respond to the word this morning. So Pastor Drew, if you're back there, would you show yourself? There he is. Here I am. Awesome. It is such a privilege for us to come alongside people and baptize them in water as they declare their faith in Jesus. Just to give some context, we baptize people in water um, out of clear obedience to Jesus. Matthew 28, he said, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we see that then carried through the early church as well. And so we do that as an as as act of obedience. Um, we don't believe that water baptism is required for salvation. So it's not for salvation, but it is for obedience to Jesus. And so there are two individuals this morning that we we have the, the privilege and the honor of baptizing in water. Pastor Riley's also gonna join me here in the tank. I'm gonna move this back without getting electrocuted. So first, Stephanie Adair. Can't really see you. So Stephanie, why is it that you want to be baptized in water this morning? Um, Well, I grew up in the church thanks to my dad. Um, But uh, the last three years, very specifically, was really hard. Um, I had a gun to my head, and literally. And so I've uh, been struggling with PTSD, had a miscarriage as a result of that hostile um, encounter. And then um, our mom disappeared, so now we have my brother that lives with me. And... um, so since uh, we've been coming to this church, the one thing that you guys pray every day is, you know, coming to you, coming to Christ, and um, coming to the end of yourself. And oh boy, has the last three years taught me that I've come to the end of myself <laughs> after having um, gone through that experience, losing a child, and then having two more, and then having one come in and me <laughs> come in also, um, more or less as adoption. So I'm there. Um, and, uh, this is a big deal for, you know, me and my husband too, cause we're kind of finally, co- um, coming to this, uh, faith-based relationship, uh, yeah. after being together almost seven years. So this is new for both of us as well. So we're just, like I said, we're there. I'm Amen. there now. Awesome. So. And so for Stephanie, just as we read in Colossians chapter three, today marks, uh, publicly that, that moment where. Uh, her old self is, is left uh, dead in Christ, and she's alive now in Christ. So this is just a public declaration of that transaction that happened. So let's baptize you, Stephanie. Face that way. So Stephanie, as a declaration of your faith that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, we now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
Amen. Uh, Mark Argenbright. Mark, awesome. So why do you want to be baptized in water today? Um, because when I was uh, growing up, I was raised Catholic, and then I fell away from the church and or God in general. And so just recently in the spring, I came to that inevitable spiritual wall, or basically the end of myself, and started reading the Bible and realized it made a lot of sense. And um, I felt my heart begin to change when I came here. And that's when it really got started. And um, I just want to grow even more in my faith. And this is a public declaration of that. So. So Mark, today is a declaration of your faith in Jesus. We baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God, we just we thank you for those two individual testimonies, Lord. We thank you for meeting them. God, we thank you for showing them who you are. God, we just pray you bless them now in Jesus' name. We pray that everything they put, put your, their hand to would find your favor in Jesus' name. We pray that your word would, rich, would dwell richly in them. That they would keep their eyes focused and fixed on you as they move forward. And thank you, God, that um, they have a family of people that are all around them and supporting them and encouraging them. God, help us to, to steward that well in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. And we're going to respond to God's word. Jesus modeled a life that you and I were created for. I don't know about you, I just want to be used by God. Not so that Tony's name could be made great. It was that Jesus could receive all the glory. So that people could know about this, this powerful Jesus who sets people free, who, who, who puts identity into people who have no identity or who are defined by the things of this world. And there is a, there's a war against the identity of God right now in our, that we're unoffendable. That when the world doesn't appreciate us, when people don't appreciate us, it doesn't matter because we know we are perfectly loved by God. When we feel let down because we weren't provided for, it won't matter because we know that we are perfectly provided for by a living God who loves us. I want to be so firmly rooted. I want my eyes to be so fixed on this Jesus that every single place that I go, everything that I do would go through this filter of the Holy Spirit. God, what are you saying? What are you doing right now? I hope that is your prayer as well. Would you stand with me this morning? As usual, we respond to the word. That's what the purpose of the word is being shared is so that we can respond in some way. So that we can say, Holy Spirit, if there's any wicked way in me, if there's any fleshly way in me, God, show me. I will surrender that to you and you'll transform it. You'll change it. You'll take it out and you replace it with who you are. So we can all bow our heads across this place. I'm gonna ask a couple questions and in response to the question, I'm gonna ask that you raise your hand. 
I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to make you do anything weird. But I do believe that there's this, this connection between physical obedience and release in the spirit. That as we, we obey in the physical, something in the spiritual realm is released in freedom. So if you're here in this place this morning and you're being honest and maybe you're, you're saying, man, Tony, I'm, I'm just like you were. I'm lost. I don't feel like I have a relationship with Jesus at all. Or maybe you've had one in the past, but it's grown cold and stagnant and you need to get your life right with the Lord today. If that's you, would you put your hand up so I can see it? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anybody else? Thank you. Appreciate your honesty. You can put your hands down. next question is this if you've just been walking in condemnation you've been beating yourself up or you've let the, the, the enemy or the world just be beating you up you want that broken off your life this morning that's you would you just put your hand up if you'd be honest thank you I appreciate your honesty you can put your hands down If you raise your hand for that first question this morning, if you need to get your life right with the Lord, I'm going to say a prayer, and I want you to say a prayer like this in your own heart. God, I recognize that I'm far away from you, that I'm not where I need to be, that I'm not right with you, and I have no ability to save myself, but you already knew that. That's why you sent your son Jesus to die a horrific death on a cross only to be raised to life so that I could experience new life. So right now, I just accept that gift of salvation that comes only through the blood of Jesus to wash away my sins. So now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd come dwell with me. I pray you fill to overflow in Jesus' name. I pray you come upon them in power now in Jesus' name. God, we just turn from anything in our life that isn't pleasing to you. We turn away from all the earthly things, desiring to please the flesh. And now we just turn and we run to you, Jesus. We run to you, Jesus. If you raise your hand for the second question, I want to do, do something. You've heard me say this before, and you're, you're going to hear me say it many times, that there's two things that Jesus always has something to say about, and it's who he is and who you are in him. And sometimes when I feel like, man, God, I just can't hear from you, I'll ask him one of those two questions. God, who are you? And he always speaks. Or I ask him, God, who am I in you? Who do you say that I am? And sometimes God gives you one word. Sometimes he gives you a paragraph, sometimes. But if you're dealing with walking in condemnation and, and shame, we need to be reacquainted with our identity and destiny in him. That there is no condemnation in those who are in Christ. That he did not come to condemn the world, but to save it and to set it free. So I want you just, even if you didn't raise your hand for that question, if you would just, would you quiet your heart in the next moments? Just ask Holy Spirit, who do you say that I am? Speak. So just do that now. Holy Spirit, who do you say that I am? God, I pray you speak now in Jesus' name. Remove all hindrances, all obstacles in Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information about Life Point Church, 
please visit www.livethemessage.org.